Network, a podcast designed for women working in financial services and financial technology. I'm Cheryl Brown, Chief Engagement Officer at Females and Finance. I'm also an international speaker on social and digital marketing, too. On The F Word, you'll meet leaders in the community, as well as learn more about recruiting, training, advancing, and retaining quality female talent. Let's take a listen to today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. Today, we welcome Amanda Dumas with Loma. Life Office Management Associates is an international trade association for the insurance and financial services industry, and for nearly 100 years has been the trusted source for industry knowledge. Amanda is member solutions manager and works with financial service organizations like Females in Finance to set up access to their educational resources at Loma. Welcome to the show, Amanda. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yay. Amanda and I have known each other for at least a decade, I, since your time at LIMRA. You have worked in financial services for quite a while now, though. That's, what is it? 15? Yeah. This is my 16th year. That seems I, uh, Yeah, it's, it really is. I started out of college working as um, an agent. Um, I was a theater major and didn't know what to do. So. A theater major? I never knew yeah. that. And all the times that we oh, yeah. I did not know that. I have a yeah. younger daughter who is super into a theater. In fact, she wants to major in set design. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah. I didn't want to move to New York or L.A. And so when I graduated, I was like, do I become a teacher? And then I realized I really wasn't the biggest fan of other people's kids. So then... <laughs> Okay, we're really honest on the show, everyone. Yeah. So I um, I started working as an agent and quickly realized my passion for this industry and the needs that are needed that the needs for for the products out there. Um, and it, it was my home. That was definitely where I was meant to be. So very quickly found that. Isn't Very that weird how that works? I mean, yeah. That's what people say to me about being in marketing. They're like, Cheryl, you could be out there working, you know, Ellen DeGeneres even. You could be doing that. And here you are in financial <laughs> services. I know. I said, I know, I know. I love Ellen, but I love my financial service people. I would love for you to yeah. kind of walk us through and go back to the background story of how you got to Loma because I think it's really under, it's really important for the people listening to understand her background and the importance of it and how it correlates to her work at Loma today on our behalf, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. So I mentioned that I started in that sales role um, and I did that for about four years. I was a district manager in a captive agency at the time um, when I started a family and was working a lot of hours and just couldn't really manage um, and made the decision to kind of step back a little bit uh, and found an opportunity at, Lom at Limra, excuse me. And, and that was so eye-opening. You know, I knew my products when I was in the field and I knew the need and why these products were important, but I didn't know much about the industry and a home office environment. Uh, and it was just so eye-opening to learn about all the different organizations and the different departments that all come into play when it's just that one piece of paper that's going to my client. Um, so I did that. And then my family took a move to Omaha, Nebraska. And because of my relationship uh, with all these member companies, I was able to find a place at Mutual of Omaha, worked a number of back office positions there, uh, account executive and, and director of um, 
regional director for products and and really um, learn more about all of the products across the industry. You know, I had done disability and life and now long-term care uh, and uh, then went to work for the standard as the regional director for, for the individual disability side and they moved us to Charlotte. Um, I did that for a number of years and before I found my way back to LL Global, uh, Limra's sister company Loma and I loved working for Limra and at the time when we moved they didn't do remote so I was really happy to find my way back to that organization. It felt like coming back home um, and um, it really in 12 years, a lot has changed, but the culture hasn't. Mm -hmm. So it's just been really, really wonderful to come back to. Um, I think, though, now in my role in education, which is something I never pictured myself doing, uh, I have a unique perspective as to somehow uh, some how these products and, and courses can be used and how beneficial they can be for certain roles in the industry. I look back at my career as in the uh, selling products and think, wow, if I had known this, I could have been much better uh, helped my clients. Uh, when I think back to my positions in back office at Mutual of Omaha and the standard, I think I could have been more effective at communication uh, across the aisles, across different departments. I could have been a stronger employee overall. Um, so it definitely gives me an eye-opening perspective as to how some of our courses can be used. So you mentioned with your work at LIMRA, are you friends with a no Carolyn Clement? Clement. Yes. Okay. I, I, we don't know I, in person. Yeah. We have well, not met in should. person. Yeah. <laughs> you could change that for a couple of reasons. Okay. One, she's a wonderful human being, which that's okay. a no-brainer. But two, she's into theater as well. Oh. I knew that. Yeah, she's got kids that do a lot of it too. So when you said that, I was like, Okay. Oh, All right. And you know, I want to talk about the importance of this continuing education and designation work because when I did research for the book, I interviewed hundreds, almost a thousand women. It's crazy. And what I found was as I built the pillars for females in finance on this idea of recruitment, yes, but the training, advancement, and retention, these four pillars, there is a huge area of conflation between training and advancement. I took information from organizations that were working with women and men and what that looked like in the end users to find out where the disconnect was with issues around training and advancement. I found that seasoned professionals uh, in financial services proactively went after training needs, including the resources offered at organizations like Loma. And it's interesting because what I mean by that is so, for example, when I interviewed organizations and talked about, you know, your training, they'll say, oh, the training is available to everyone. And I always say, hold up. When you say everyone, is that everyone from the call director who answers the phone all the way up to including C-suite? Everyone. A large majority of those organizations do offer training for literally everyone so that the problem then on the end user, when I talked to uh, and interviewed women, they were like, yeah, I don't want to leave my work. You know, I got stuff here. Who's going to do this when I do that? And I found that was not only just, and, and I, they articulated it fairly well in the sense that they were worried about 
what would my work look like if I left it? Who was going to do it while I was gone? So that's a true concern. But I also found that this trickled over as you got into the diversity and inclusion uh, initiatives, people of color, people of different uh, educational backgrounds, so that some, you know, socioeconomic, et cetera, all of those played into how closely and tied they were to doing a good job. They didn't Mm -hmm. want to walk away from something. It looked like they didn't do a good job. But interestingly enough, the seasoned professionals, those women I interviewed were like, somebody else can do that job. I'm going to go do this training and advance myself. And I think that that's been interesting. What have you found about those working in our community and seeking additional learning opportunities? Have you found that to be true as well? Is that something that, uh, that you, because one of the things I, the challenges I put out to the organizations was if you offer it to everyone and it comes back and everyone on there isn't everyone, what do you do to make sure that there's, you know, and that is a, that's where a disconnect is and that many of them are trying to find answers and solutions to that problem. So, so I think that from my perspective in my role, the, the challenge is bringing awareness across the board and being in, getting in front of different uh, departments and teams and leadership at different member companies. Um, And so, you know, in addition to our education, we have a ton of member benefits like access to the Info Center, which is a a library of research and benchmarking surveys. Um, And it's just being able to get the word out of what all is available to our members is a huge challenge. Time, um, you know, getting approval uh, from HR and learning and development to do webinars and and to feel like we're being a benefit instead of um, you know uh, please take take this course and advance yourself that it, it, that can be a big challenge we know people are busy um, but you're absolutely right the people that are um, investing in themselves are the are or the people that are in leadership and, and moving towards leadership are the ones that are investing in themselves. So it becomes, I, I think I can speak from a woman's perspective. I think we are raised to feel guilt at a higher level than our male counterparts. Yeah. And um, it can be really hard to uh, assign a specific time to invest in ourselves, to say from 5.30 to 6 o'clock, I am working on education for me. And that's really all it takes is a little bit. Um, but it can, it, that, I think that it's really hard for us to commit to that. Yeah, it's a behavior change. It really is. Yeah. It's this yeah. idea where I'm going to invest in myself. And invest in myself doesn't always equal tons of money, number one. It doesn't yeah. always equal that something else has to be put aside in order to yeah. do this. I mean, you can find the time in between this when you want to advance yourself. And I love that about what you said about being a benefit to their professional selves. I mean, you there's yeah. so much more, and we're going to talk about that in this episode today, about what you get out of your Loma access, which is one of the reasons why, you know, when I started Females in Finance, I met you know, we are, you and I were immediately connected and started talking about how do we grow the women. What I would love for you to do is share about how Limra and Loma work together today because I want the audience to fully understand that although separate, you're very supportive of each other's work. You do Absolutely. a lot of work together. Yeah, and that's only getting more and more prominent as our work together. So we uh, joined in 2008 while I was working at Limra, actually, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we became LL Global. And we're still – 
two separate entities with the parent company, Velo Global, but we have one president, CEO, that, and uh, have a board of directors that um, really guides our decisions, and the directors are all ex executives from the industry. Um, so truly, we create products and research things with the guidance from the industry. Everything is created by the industry for the industry. Um, so the LIMRA has really traditionally and still is focused on research. And uh, as you walk through the office, you'll see different departments that's going to be focused in um, um, social media, uh, retirement, um, life insurance, uh, and, and they're all markets. Uh, diversity, it's all different teams of people that are researching and they'll have annual reports that they update every year and put out or every two years and put out. And then we'll have some unique research uh, materials that come out uh, just based on what's going on today. Um, and they uh, then on our side of the, we're, we really at Loma focus on education. Mm -hmm. And that's it, that's why it really made sense to merge make at the time. Um, we're both a supportive structure for the industry. We are member, we're not, we're not for profits, we're member owned. So all of the members that pay dues to have access to every, all these benefits are part owners of our organizations. And so LIMRA does the research and we do education. And uh, we have the FLMI, which has been around for almost 100 years, and that's what we're known for, uh, the Fellow Life Management Institute, but then we have a number of other designations, short courses, and then we'll come out, like right now, there's this best interest, Reg 187 in New York, um, that um, is really having an immediate regulatory impact on the industry. The rule goes into effect um, in uh, August 1st, so we created a course to help with awareness of this rule and, ex and tr education on that. So this is a one-off course that's just, just for this rule, and, and we do a lot of that as well. So that's why we partner on this yeah, uh, and that in was, this industry. And I will tell you this. So I am somebody who's gone through the FLMI uh, coursework. And yeah. it started off with, I think most of the times when people hear LOMA, they immediately assess or associate that with, a life insurance company, um, you know, that sort of organization. And so yeah. I feel really privileged at Females in Finance to have a relationship with Loma because we are not a life insurance uh, organization. We support them and we believe in the work that they do just as we do investments in banking and accounting and actuary and all the other things that are out there. Uh, but I, you know, one of the things that I benefited directly from when I worked at Pacific Life they are big supporters of Limra and Loma and they made available to everyone Loma. And by everyone, I do mean not just everybody from call directors and up, but they actually wanted you to schedule time during your work day to yeah. educate yourself. And I have found that really uh, profitable, uh, you know, reputable firms do that. They want people yeah. to invest in themselves and they invest back. And so when I took and I started the FLMI, which is a 10, you know, there's a, there's a lot of courses there's in it. I'm not courses, say. Yeah. It's a commitment. But of the, the short end of it was the ACS, the Associate Customer yeah. Service. And I really benefited directly from so many of the courses in that because the very first two, 
that are required. And I, you'll, you can correct me because you're the person who knows this better, but I believe that those were the two course, like 281 and 291. Am I yes. saying that right? Yes. Oh my gosh, this is from a, yes. okay. That's back. That's reaching way back. We call I, them our, our need to know courses. That they we are we need think, to know. Yes. Yes. They I took are. them after 10 years of being in the industry and I could not believe what I still didn't know. Okay, exactly. So I had yeah. been around a long time Yeah. and I get this, but okay. So first of all, anybody who orders the 281 or 29, don't get freaked out about the size of the book. Just stop. Just well, not. it's online now. It's not a book. Yeah. It's an interactive course. Good. So they don't, yeah, no book. book. freaked them out back in the day. Yeah. So and this shows you how old I am because I had an <laughs> But take, make sure whatever you do that you also get the, the, the questions, the, the sample questions because it helps you understand what they're going after for you to learn. It really helps narrow that down. Yeah. For me, what was interesting was, and I can't believe I'm going to admit this, but I'm going to so people can understand when people think about brokerage agencies, right? People hear BGA, IMO, FMO, all these terms, mm -hmm. but quite literally, um, you know, that's an intermediary. That never clicked more clear than when I was working at PacLife because we used to have brokerage yep. agencies. And then of course that went away. I always laugh because there was a little problem there. And Tom Sutton came back and said, no more brokerage agencies. <laughs> I got rid of that. I was rid of that. But at the time, I didn't realize what that was. And so everything clicked, right? And so I laugh because here I was, had been in the profession for quite a while at that point, And I didn't know. And I didn't yeah. know what I didn't know. And here we are, you know, learning from these books. So there's a lot of stuff that just makes things click and make sense. And now yeah. as I tutor, so I have a daughter that uh, does membership work with me and she's new to this. It's not her background, but I sat down and said, okay, let's talk about what financial services is. And I started drawing it out, you know, and sort of my, my updated napkin drawing, but I was able because of those books to very simply take complicated, complex wording thoughts and break them down so they were understandable by people yes. who are not naturally in the industry. Yeah. And that's what we need because that's yep. the kind of stuff that brings people in and keeps us so that we're not yep. pushing them out with our crazy lingo language. Yeah. And, uh, and you guys do just a fabulous job of that. So I am somebody. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, I can't believe I remembered the course numbers. I oh. can't believe either. <laughs> I, and I will say, I, you know, I'm, it's, I don't want this to become a commercial, uh, the, the, the need to know courses, um, and most of our courses now are in an online interactive format. Yeah. So there's no practice questions because it's all built in to oh, the course. Okay. It's split up by module and it's split up by lesson and you can do it on your tablet or your phone. It's uh, designed in a way that's helpful to be um, uh, uh, scientifically proven to help uh, keep the information in your brain instead of reading a page and then going, oh shoot, yeah, what did I just read? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's just... Um, yeah, I've done a lot of designations and I have to say I'm pretty happy where I work. <laughs> no, it is. And so, and that's from, so I'm doing it old school style. I'm telling you from back in the day yeah, yeah. kind of thing. And it did work. And and that yeah. was just it. Uh, in the, it's not just, and I think you have an audio version. If I'm not mistaken, didn't it have something where you, or you can click, I feel like 
there were things that were had questions on it. You could click and it would say it out well, loud. There, to you. In the interlact in the newer versions, yes. there's definitely yes, there's okay. video vignettes and there's definitely storylines to follow. It's so like for our audio and opera. visual, I'm trying, <laughs> I, you do support audios yes. and the visuals because that's really yes. important. I think for people to understand. Yes. You know, Absolutely. one of the things too, I want to go back to, because I think this is a really important part of the work that we do at Females in Finance. So I want to talk about diversity and inclusion yeah. when it comes to training and advancement skills. We need more women, people of color, different background skills to seek out training and advancement opportunities or, you know, and, and I, and I love the fact that you said bringing an awareness, um, mm -hmm. you know, have you found that are we still predominantly, you know, are we still predominantly male driven, even in the education part of this? Do you find that Loma does a better job in catering to and providing resources and inviting uh, training opportunities to women and people of color? Kind of talk about what's maybe some of the initiatives are behind that, because I do agree with what you said earlier in the show about, you know, getting in front of more individuals that we all need help doing that. Mm -hmm. It's true. Yeah, I think that statistics definitely show that more men are pursuing designations than women. Uh, now, if that could be because we have more men in this industry than we do have of women. Um, I think that I, it's extremely important to be able to stand out, and um, a designation does that. And so it, I think... We have a lot to balance as women. Um, there's a lot of pressure on us to be the perfect mom and perfect employee and perfect professional. Um, and this is, you know, one more thing that we need to do. But it's so important to be able to speak, have the right business acumen in business meetings mm -hmm. and to be able to speak intelligently across the the not intelligently, that's the, the wrong word, um, to be, um, uh, speak the language across the aisle, to yeah. be able to understand all the terminology that's spoken across all these different departments, and it, it leads to a more... Um, I think um, it harmonizes everything. It yes. just brings... Uh, you know, because people love to use the word balance, and I think that that's just crap. Um, there's everybody has their own individual level of balance, and I, I, I always say everybody, and Andy Frazier says it best about, you know, whether or not you, who cares about balance? It's harmony because your harmony is going to be different than mine, right? Yep. And especially depending on what we have, and I think that's where this relationship with Loma harmonizes females in finance. The coursework that you provide harmonizes people's ability to learn. It improves business acumen. That is a hundred percent accurate. Yeah. Um, and I think that to your point, in order to grow individuals, all individuals, it is going to take all of us male allies, women too, to say, I've t attended this or I've done this or you should mm -hmm. take this class. And so a good example of that I'm going to point out are people who are CFP professionals, right? They go out there and actively talk about having a CFP. They, they're going to tell people they're proud of it and they should be. They've spent a lot of time, uh, money, you know, and they, they hold that designation high. And I believe that, that anybody who is an FLMI, anybody who is an ACS, anybody who has any of these LOMA designation work need to do the exact same thing 
because the coursework is not exhaustive in a bad way. Uh, It's exhaustive in a way that it really uh, makes your mind understand to get into the weeds of what we do because that you're going to get to that one client or that one financial service professional, that one, whoever fill in the blank who asks all the questions, all of them, them, right? Yeah. And when you can come across and say, I do know what you're talking about because you've done this work. It makes a difference. It makes a yeah. difference for me. It made a huge difference because I worked for one of the largest brokerage agencies in the country. And I was able to understand what our place was in the financial services sphere and do my job to the best of my ability within that sphere. And when I was outside of it, I still knew what that one over there was doing yeah. because of the coursework that I did at, at law. Yeah. yeah, being able to speak actuarial and being able to speak underwriting and speak um, uh, claims uh, when you're talking with the client it shows and oh, I know yes. that we can surface level do uh, or the majority of the people listening will be able to surface level speak like that uh, those languages and understand uh, and explain to their clients but this takes it deeper and gives you a much stronger sense of um, confidence it uh, and, and, you know, in the industry right now, we're hearing so much about innovation, about staying ahead of Amazon and, and, and being able to, to uh, understand the big picture perspective leads to better collaboration, which will lead to better innovation in our industry. Yeah. I always say to people that when I'm able to talk to somebody about the work that they do or with a client about the policy they own. And when a question comes up that could be completely sometimes out there and you're right, the claim process too, people should really be listening because we hate to know that there's going to be claims. There's anybody working in life insurance. You have a hundred percent claim happen. It's coming. We all die. Yep. It's going to happen. So understanding all the nuances of how to file that and work with the families or the writers and all of what we're here for. Exactly. We're here for being able to explain that because although policy illustrations do a good job of providing stuff, it is still up to you to understand. And you're also, well, and your license says that you're going to do the the continuing work, right? Uh, That you're going to understand everything that's in that policy and be able to explain it to someone. And, you know, it's interesting because I had uh, my, my older daughter, I have a life insurance policy on her. And when I got the enforce illustration, I'm an average, imagine me as an average consumer, but you know, that came and I happened to notice at the bottom of it that it had been wrong running it for a different state. They probably had the software pulled up and, you know, but that was mean recognizing what went back and said, Hey, I'm in Missouri. They're like, Oh yeah. Sorry. You know, that is where my acumen came through and I was able to just look at it and read and I understood everything that was in it. But a lot of it has to do with the classes that I took, yeah. uh, the education that I received from Loma. So I think it's really important for people to understand you're just so much more than just you know, doing a little bit of work or mm-hmm. you only do underwriting or what it's so much more than that. Yeah. 
you know, as far as actionable education, what should someone listening today do to better their financial services career? We will provide, of course, a link to the Loma platform through Females in Finance for the discount, which we, by the way, make available to every member of our community. Whether you're mm -hmm. on our free platform or your pro platform, you get access to Loma, which from an individual practitioner standpoint is going to be very valuable to you. Yes. Because uh, it, the savings are, uh, have been very generous for females mm -hmm. and finance members. And so I'm grateful for that. But what is something that someone can be doing today when they leave the show and say, I should do this? Yeah, I would, I would say to head out to Loma.org and explore those resources and, and research available to you, but set up a profile, set up your account so that you can see what you can enroll in. Maybe look at one of those need to know courses. I'm sure it'll be review for some of those listeners, but, um, you might surprise yourself. You don't know what you don't know. Um, so I would encourage those listening to sign up for Loma 281 or Loma 291 after setting up a profile, one or the other, just to see um, what, the, what we're considering the very need-to-know uh, foundation of our industry. And if, if, they, if, if you like them, then continue and move on to some of the other designations. Yeah, and those, and I have to tell you, for anybody that's listening to this, where you are maybe a seasoned professional and you're bringing a next gen person in, and mm -hmm. or you're trying to work with interns this summer or whatever it might be, those 281, 291 courses are really beneficial in giving a good Absolutely. solid understanding of what's happening. Here at Females in Finance, you can contact Katie Brown. She's our education rep and handles the relationship between Loma and the Females in Finance members. So you can reach her at Katie at femalesinfinance.com and ask her about getting on that platform and making sure we, you get access to our organization number, et cetera, because you're going to need that whenever you set up your profile from yeah. what I've seen. Uh, I like to wrap up interviews in a fun way. And today I have three questions to ask you, but you don't have to worry because I have to answer them too. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. She's ready. So what, here's number one. What fad or trend do you hope would come back? Oh. I think we're about the same age. Oh, yeah, I think I you're think probably right. Um, let's see. Uh, Fraggle Rock? No, that's Fraggle not really a fad Rock. or trend. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I haven't heard of that in so long. You just said that. Daryl and I literally were sitting yesterday, it was his birthday, and we were looking at this booklet about what happened in 1973, he's a little younger and, than me, but uh, Fraggle Rock, oh man, okay, I don't know if I can top that one. I think for a fad or a trend, oh, do you remember Clearly Canadian? Oh, I love Clearly I Canadian. I love Clearly Canadian. It's coming back, it's available in some of our grocery stores. Is it? No way. Yes. Yeah, okay, it it's came, not I'm Missouri. Sorry, I, started, I gotta watch. I started following them on Facebook, and they started out announcing like different, and you could pre-order online and everything. I'm so excited about Clearly Canadian. <laughs> Look at me! It was like three dollars a bottle. I'm like, I can't afford that. <laughs> Clearly Canadian. I was addicted to Clearly Canadian, and it, so I love that stuff. It was so yeah. delicious. Um, what about this? What cartoons did you watch as a kid? Uh, He-Man and She-Ra. 
Oh my, we just talked about this too. Thundercats. That's what we were talking about yesterday. Thundercats. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell I'm an 80s kid. (laughs) I love Shira. I can't wait to tell him that tonight when he gets home. I watched that one, but he did. I think he even knew the whole thing that He-Man said when he came out. We actually, Netflix has the He-Man ones, and so we started watching them a few years back when our our 11-year-old was little. And uh, and, uh, it's amazing how judgmental I am now looking (laughs) at watching them. I'm like, wow, this is really bad. (laughs) <laughs> well, I know that somebody said on Twitter the other day, like, what, you know, what 80s cartoon do you want to come back or 90s cartoon? And I wrote back and I was like, Jim and the Holograms. Oh my gosh. I was Jim for Halloween in kindergarten. <laughs> yes. Yes. She had like the most awesome, ma- like the makeup yep. thing that she did. Yes. Yeah. And I, care. I, I, yes. And I didn't ever want to tell my dad because he would have been worried, like, she's going to color her hair and <laughs> out, you know, but that's so funny. She, I cannot wait to say that tonight. How about an epic feast is held in your honor? What's on the table? Ooh, oysters as an appetizer okay. with a, raw oysters uh, okay. with a mignonette and then like a charcuterie with some really good cheeses. Um, and then we'll finish it off with like braised short ribs and maybe mashed potatoes or maybe we'll go healthy and do like a garlic mashed cauliflower uh and some asparagus or green beans or roasted brussels sprouts look at that foodie go <laughs> I, I worked as a cook when i was a theater major <laughs> i am over here going well i'm over here thinking i'd really just like some you know gooey butter cake and <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to, oh, let me think about this first. I'm going to put a little thought into it. So an epic feast is held in my honor. What's on the table? All right. So I have to have spiral cut ham because I feel like I would invite my kids and that is one of their favorite meals and Daryl's favorite thing. It's, it's, I'm okay with it, but I mean, I'm still, <laughs> I got to be honest. If I really, if it was just me, like, and probably you would be okay with this too. If I was in San Francisco, I'd probably really like some, uh, braised duck or oh yeah duck confit or something oh yeah and I really love going into some I had that last week that have, did you I love tofu oh I like oh I do I like me some tofu and so here I am in this meat and potatoes family and it's like okay we'll have a hand <laughs> but I miss my tofu but yeah no I think I'm going to your epic meal because <laughs> I'm thinking for dessert, we'll do like a white chocolate whipped cream with some fresh berries. Oh my Lanta. Yep. That's it. We're going to her house. (laughs) We're going there. So we're going to be sure to provide a link to all the ways to reach you. I'm always grateful that we, your friendship over the years and, you know, checking in with you and talking with you and seeing the inside with your life. You You are someone that I've I've always admired you, and I've said that to you before, but you've been a great founding partner for Females in Finance, and I'm really grateful for your commitment as well. Thank you, Amanda, really. Thank you. I love working with you. I'm so glad we've been able to stay in touch over the years. Yes. Now, and I was worried about you during the, the hurricane. Yeah, we, we were fine. Uh, there was a lot of I was texting rain, you, going, but you we were good. Me. Yeah, I know. I know. You were so sweet. I Thank was worried. You. It was right there. You it was. In the thick of it. So. Yeah. So you're a hearty family on top of this. So it was worried, but 
Um, I appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The F Word. You can learn more about today's guests and the topics we covered by visiting the links we're going to provide in the episode page. And if you love today's podcast, you know you did. Come on. Please be sure to subscribe. Don't keep it a secret. Share it. Tag hashtag females and finance in your post so we can engage with you as well. And remember the F Word. It is where females and finance are not dirty words. Thank you for your time today.